You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to the Locked On Syracuse podcast. This is your Tuesday episode, Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. Check the show out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We'll get all the latest updates to the show this week, Tim. Later on in the week, of course, we've got the bye this week. So we're going to get into some buy grades. That's probably going to be shelved away till like Friday yeah. or something like that. But we have a verbal commitment, Tim. Another <laughs> verbal commitment from Enrique Cruz. He will be joining us. One of the, the talented offensive linemen in this class of 2021 for football. So we will talk to Enrique either tomorrow or Thursday. Maybe both. Yeah. Maybe both. We'll see how, Pumped to have how the him schedules on. play That's gonna out. That's going to be fun. So. Yep, looking forward to talking with him and be locked in with us on Locked On Syracuse. On I see Twitter what you did there. LO underscore Syracuse. Yeah, that was a uh, that was just send me out now. Yeah, seriously. Um, we're, we're a minute in and we've already cr- cr- uh, committed an egregious error. That is that a banned comment well, for the show? We, I mean, now you're grouping me in. With okay, your I, error. me. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's on me. Anyway. Today on the show, we are going to get into what we saw on the film from the Georgia Tech game, so we'll get to that in just a second, and then later on in the show, we get to do this for the first time, Tim. We get to not do the blame pie, we get to do the praise pie this time, so we are going to divvy out what we saw from everything and who deserves all of the credit for this Syracuse win, so we will do that later on in the show, but we begin with this film review, and... I got to say, from from looking at the box score again and watching back some of the game, I think we're really starting to to undervalue what this running attack is. And, and I mean, Sean Tucker, what a revelation this is. I, th- I think one of the big things that you have to do, and I think the same kind of applies for, for quarterbacks as well, take away the best run, take away the worst run, take away the best throw, take away the worst throw, and what kind of game do you have? And... Sean Tucker's just a, a beacon of consistency. I mean, he he moves forward with the ball, and I think this running attack is something that could really change what this Syracuse season ends up being. Can they continue to run the ball? Now, I do want to see it against some better teams, and he did it against Pitt, okay? Yeah. Albeit in, in limited carries, but he did it against Pitt, and then he he comes back, does it again, this time in a much more impressive fashion against Georgia Tech, and, I mean, the numbers are, are phenomenal. Again, the average is 4.7 yards per carry, which is good, right? But it really felt more like five and a half, six yards per carry because he did have he got stuffed on a couple runs later in the game, especially when the Georgia Tech def- defense knew that they were going to be attacking them on the ground. So with Tucker, I, I think you've got this new dimension to your team, and I'm really looking forward to see what he does for the rest of the season. Did you see what Trill Williams' dad tweeted at us today? Trey Williams? That was, yes, yeah. I did see that. Okay. A little hyperbolic. We like to, to make fun of people for hyperbolic comparisons, and this is obviously hyperbolic, but you know what? You share with the class what what, uh, what Trey Williams Yeah, told, he basically said he's got an Emmett Smith style of running to him, which... Again, it's hyperbolic, but at the same time, it's hard not to just fall in love with Sean Tucker and what we're seeing. It's early, and this was a favorable matchup for sure. There's something to be said, though, about, you know, when I watch back all the film, all these young guys are stepping up, and 
there's something to be said about the fact that they don't have any baggage to them. These guys like Robert Hanna, who we we failed to mention Robert Hanna. On yeah, our no, yeah, that was an egregious error by us. That we're we're over two in, in this week <laughs> right. so far. And but let me just say, Robert Hanna, watching back the film, he pops up time and time again. And I went deep down the rabbit hole of Pro Football Focus tonight and kind of comparing. Oh their yeah, grades. I did see this. So Robert Hanna, right now, if he hasn't played the appropriate amount of snaps, I guess, or maybe he has, but he's 14th currently in safeties in the entire country after that performance. He graded at a 74.8 in that game, which for those that don't know the exact sort of how good is that on pro football focus, that's good. That's better than what like Andre Cisco is best on the team. I believe Yeah, best on the team. He's got the top grade for, for the entire team this season. Right. And yeah, he does. I guess Nolan Cooney, if you want to count him, which punters are people too. So we should count him, but positional Especially players. at Syracuse. Yes. Nolan Cooney's fourth right now on pro football focus, but Nolan Cooney, I will say one of the revelations of this season has been him yeah, as a punter. And I, I've been shouldn't very be underrated. I thought, yeah, because everyone used to think of him as just a kickoff specialist and a guy who, okay, he, he's like the holder too, Yeah, but he's much more than that. <laughs> he, he's been, he can I'd punt. imagine there were some very intense uh, like practice battles between him and Sterling. And that kind of competition, I'm sure, bred a lot of success. I mean, Sterling, and you can check out the episodes that we did with him earlier in like around the NFL draft time, so a little before like April, but... He, he made it seem like, all right, the, the punter practices are not that they're intense, but they're competitive. And I'm sure Nolan Cooney is someone who's really benefiting from that, that he's spent some time with some NFL punters. And who knows? Maybe he's next. Yeah. I mean, the way that he's kicking right now, I'm sure there's a team out there that would love to have him. But get, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's also props to Justin Lustick as well, because what the special teams is doing, I mean, they really controlled Gibbs as well. A great kick returner for Georgia Tech this week. Very proud always of the special teams unit. Getting back to Robert Hanna, I really want to give him credit because not only did he pass the eye test when you watch the film, he's always popping up. But he also grades so well on pro football focus, graded really highly in coverage in this matchup, too, was near the 80s in coverage, just in terms of that specific portion of the field. But, I mean, keep in mind, we didn't even think he was going to play in this game until the most 2020 thing ever, where Andre Sisco, right before the game, which that's a big thing in the bye week right now, coming up is hopefully Cisco's okay because he went from totally fine to collides with Ed Hendricks in a fluky play, and all of a sudden you're down an All-American for any other team and for most... Like, that's a huge thing. You lose, inarguably, your best player on the football field, and this guy that's right. this huge All-American for you and a team that doesn't have a ton of talent, and Robert Hanna comes in... Didn't even know he was going to play. Very, very admirable job from him. And I was a little bummed thinking back yesterday. I know you and I both, right after we ended that podcast, were like, oh my gosh, how did we forget Robert Hanna? Because sometimes you just lose track after watching the game on Saturday. But when you go back and watch the film, he was really great in this game. Led the team in tackles with nine. Also had a tackle for loss, as well as that one pick, too. And, I mean... If, especially with Syracuse, when you're looking at a team where defensive back depth, I mean, top to bottom, you're seeing guys pop up everywhere, whether it's Hannah, yeah. Carter, and then Garrett Williams has been really good. We know what Trill and Andre are. This is 
a, a defensive backfield. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I've Garrett Williams has been yeah two pass breakups for him to go along with a pair of tackles as well. So, I mean, the, we knew that the defensive backs were going to be a strength for this team. I don't think we thought they were going to be this big of a strength. Like, we are looking at maybe the best defensive backfield in the ACC, and I, I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic to to put on the orange tint. I agree. Glasses. Yeah, I, I'm literally saying that because they are like. Even with the Clemsons and Miami's looked really good out of the shoot too. This defensive, just the way that they've played defense, and they're not doing it against slouches either. They've done it against Sam Howell. They've done it against Jeff Sims, who I think is a very talented quarterback, albeit a mistake-prone one. But you have to take advantage of the mistakes. The mistakes are only mistakes if you take advantage of them, and Syracuse has done that. Yeah, so another guy who really impressed me in the film, another young guy, Marlo Wax at the linebacker position. He continues to make great plays, and not only does he pass the eye test, when you look at pro football focus, his grade right now, and he is not eligible for the snap, so he can't be ranked, but he's a 74.9 overall in pro football focus. Hannah, 74.8, is top 15 in his position. Didn't crunch the numbers, but I bet Wax, if he was eligible for the snap count, will be a top 20 linebacker in the country right now in terms of that grade that he's putting up at 74.9. He's been, like, way better than I expected. And for an underclassman in a All tough spot... All these young spot, guys, man. I mean, they're, they're hungry. And we kind of talked about this, too, yesterday. They they just move fast. They fly. They're fearless. They're playing with nothing to lose. Yeah. Because that's really what they have. No like, baggage. They've got nothing yep. to lose. The season, you feel like, is kind of not a wash, but, like, it's looking... And we can talk about this topic later on in the week, but it's looking like everyone might get a bowl game this year. So it doesn't matter if you go 1-10. in 10. Like if the Georgia Tech games, you're only like if you just want to see improvements. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're sort of looking at. Now, I'm not saying throw the season away. Absolutely I mean, not. Because yeah. you shouldn't. But but this is also something you really don't have anything to lose. Obviously, this team's not going to be competing for the playoff this year, but you don't have a lot to lose because of the way that the season could be structured postseason wise. It's weird. They're one and two. First two weeks, I'm sure a lot of people noticed we were very, very down on this team. We're feeling a little bit more optimistic. Maybe we're we're going a little... I'm not feeling necessarily super yeah. optimistic. Like, But, okay, so... Ceiling's probably three wins, right? Right. It, it's been... It's, that's still kind of how I feel. It's been a bad start to the year relative to maybe what some people were hoping for. Yet, I feel better about the future of Syracuse football after the first three weeks than I did before the season. Because these 2020 guys, just to name them off here, you've got Stephon Thompson making plays. He's been pretty good in run defense. I know a lot of people have been getting on him at times, but playing up in the line as a true freshman, I think he's held his own. You get Carter to make that big interception. He steps up and makes some plays after some injuries. Robert Hanna, obviously. Wax, who I just mentioned. Then, on the offensive side of the ball, these are all 2020 guys. True freshmen. Sean Tucker is ACC you, running back Before you get the to the offensive side of the ball, uh, also, don't forget about Steve Linton. He recovered a fumble in this game. Yeah, too. and he's 2019. He's very good, too. Right. So, I mean, the... Tw- oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2019 portion of this, you've got Mikel Jones, Jeff Canton-Arku, Neil Nunn, Garrett Williams, Lee Koba offensively 2019. Cam Jonas made a couple nice plays, too. Yeah, offensively 2019. Matthew Bergeron has been good as a tackle. Overall, pretty solid. Courtney Jackson's made some plays. Luke Benson has looked good so far in his first two years with the program. Like to see them get the ball 
to him a little bit more. He could be a little bit better in pass protection as well. I noticed that a couple times watching back the film, and I think that's part of the reason why we don't see them use the tight ends a ton. Obviously, Hackett is, he has to be used so much in terms of like an extra lineman that he's not getting out into the flat for passes. He was able to get out, draw that pass interference because the O-line was a little bit better against Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech wasn't getting as much of a push because Georgia Tech isn't Pitt or UNC. All right, I've got a couple more thoughts, but first I got to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. You know, in today's world, you've got to make a lot of tough decisions when it comes to maintaining your car. But sometimes there's an easy answer right in front of you. And that's the simple choice that rockauto.com provides for you. Rockauto.com, unlike all the other chain stores, does not offer you different price tiers for different parts. No, you know you are getting the lowest price when you go to rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and you can get thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything, whether you need an engine control module, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even just a new carpet because you've been driving around so much and kids are practicing their fall sports and getting into the swing of things. You can get it at rockauto.com. The website is super easy to navigate and the catalog is seamless as well. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you again right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right when you look at some things that you didn't like I, I do want to talk about the quarterback a little bit because I, did Tommy take a step forward? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I'm not <laughs> puffing my chest out around campus over what happened in this game because there is still a lot to be concerned about at the quarterback position. Hunt, I mean, first of all, 13 for 24 against a, a pretty weak Georgia Tech defense. I'd like to see the efficiency up a little bit more on that. I'd like to see that a lot closer towards the the 60 65 dare i say it even 70% especially on a lot of these uh, again this is an offense that uses a lot of screens a lot of short routes i think that you can have that efficiency way up and the 194 yards it's kind of inflated by a couple big plays i'd still like to see a little bit more out of him again we went over this yesterday there were a lot of possessions i, I believe it was 5 was the number i gave out yesterday that were three and out, and then there was also the pick. You also had, I believe, five possessions where you did not record a single yard or even had negative yardage on those. Those can't happen. You're, you're not going to win games against top the top half of the conference that way. Now, if you want to beat up on the bottom half of the conference that way, be my guest. But if you want to be a, considered a, a factor in recruiting, if you want to be considered a, a player in the ACC – First of all, you need to recruit the players, and that doesn't happen without success. And if if this offense doesn't figure that out, and specifically Tommy DeVito, if he doesn't figure that out at the quarterback position, then you could be in for a long couple years offensively if they don't prove that this is a program that can develop next-level talent. So here's where I'm at with DeVito. And this is not a change, really, after what happened against Georgia Tech. It just further proves it. 
When the going gets tough, DeVito doesn't necessarily get going to the degree that I'd like. When I mean, he's a very fragile quarterback, if that is even a word that you could use. Like, when he's getting hit a lot, when there's tons of pressure, he's going up against a tough defense with a strong pass rush. The receivers drop a couple passes on him. There's no running game that has any sort of promising stats or any sort of ability to move the football vertically with the running game then he's in trouble. But when DeVito has some of these things fall his way, some of these like dominoes basically, then he's he's in good shape overall. Like I trust him when things are aligned. In this game, most notably was the running game and what we saw from Sean Tucker. We'll get to the praise by, but for me, that that's a huge portion of why Syracuse won this game and that's what we discussed a lot yesterday. The other thing was the offensive line was a little bit better overall. When the offensive line's a little bit better, he can utilize his vertical passing game. He did not throw the ball downfield a ton last year. He did not throw the ball downfield that much in the first two games, and we get on him a lot for not taking chances. I felt like he took some chances. Yeah, I mean, the deep ball accuracy is frustrating. It is, and and it should be one of his strengths because we've seen him be accurate at times. So I guess... The positive for me in this game is it kind of proves, again, that once things are going well, Tommy DeVito can be a solid ACC quarterback. But once things are going poorly and there's pressure in his face, he's a bottom-end ACC quarterback. And I think that's just going to be how it is. I, You know, if this was his first year, if it's Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, then you're optimistic that he's going to improve. That's the bummer. DeVito's in year four, and that's why I feel like it's okay to kind of pick on him now and go through the film room and really target some of these things that he's doing poorly because the stats are out there as well. He's not good. He gets sacked a ton based on the amount of dropbacks that he faces pressure. It's not a good scenario, but overall, I do think he made some strides specifically against Georgia Tech. He took more chances and he looked more poised once a couple things sort of fell his way. I think I'm going to come up with a phrase here. And and maybe this is something that's already a, a phrase out there in the football ether. And, and I just haven't seen it yet. But he's what I like to call a, a snowball quarterback. All right. It, it's like when things are going well, it's going to pile up and you're going to see that snowball get yeah, bigger I like and bigger. That. Likewise, it can, it can also go the other way, too, where the mistakes pile up and the frustration boils over and you start to see just the offense stall out. And, and that's really what we've seen out of DeVito for these past two years. It, it is a snowball effect right. with him. He's like he's Tommy the Snowman. That, that's what he is. And Dungy wasn't he's, like that. So that's what's very right. frustrating. Dungy was good when the exactly. going got tough. Exactly. And, and that's, I think kind of getting back to our conversation with Mahoney, it's the the difference in personality that you've got at quarterback. I mean, you can see it out there on the field. They're very different people. I mean, even a guy like Zach and, and Tommy, very different people from what you see on the field and how they react to mistakes made by not only themselves, but the rest of the team. Like, sure, Tommy makes a lot of mistakes out there, but guess what? There are also a lot of people around him that are making mistakes too, whether it's the receivers, offensive lines, running backs not picking up blocks. There's a lot of blame that can go around for these offensive struggles. It's not just Tommy. There's a lot. I would place a lot of it on Tommy, but I'm not going to place more than, than 40%, I would say, of 
the entire offensive blame on the quarterback position. I think it's a little less, or it's, it's around 40%. It's not more than that. It's not necessarily too much less than that either. But what I want to see is how do you respond to those mistakes? Because Dungy, a lot of times, would, would rally the troops. And maybe they didn't always lead to wins, but you always felt like you had a chance when you had Eric Dungy on center. I don't know if that's still the case with Tommy DeVito. Now, he looks solid against Georgia Tech. What's he going to do now in the next game? Can he string together two games? He's got the bye week mixed in there as well. So what can he do in his next outing? That's what I want to see out of him because, again, it's it's I want to see you be consistently good, to, to rip off a Dino <laughs> Babers thing. Yeah. That's, what this, that's what this offense needs because guess what? You just have to be average with this offense now, man. I mean, the way the defense is playing – if you have if you run an average offense, this team wins six games. Yeah. I'm still like I know this sounds silly. I love the defense. I love what I'm seeing. I love that they have a lot more depth than I thought they did going into the season. I thought that was the concern, but these young guys are proving me wrong. They're really stepping up. To me though, at a certain point, I feel like teams are just going to run the football against us a lot. And we haven't quite gotten there yet. But if you look well, at... Well, I mean, Georgia Tech did. They ran for 275 yards. Yeah, and the game flow allowed them not really to... Like, if they got ahead in that game, I think Georgia Tech could have put it away just based on how bad our rush defense and our tackling was sort of in the second level at points in that game. Our secondary is so good, even without Andre Sisco and Eric Coley right now because of injury... These guys are stepping up. They're flying all over the field. They're making interceptions, turning you over. And Duke, by the way, is, has been turned over a lot this year, so that bodes well. They also have a good defensive line, which doesn't bode well. But, I mean, it's early, right, where the thing that would be lacking behind, given a short offseason, would be the passing game for a lot of these teams. We're seeing it at Syracuse. The timing's off. The that That's where no camp, no off, or limited offseason – really hurts you not so much defensively as Dino has talked about but more on the offensive side of the ball where offensive coordinators don't have as deep of playbooks as you would think to me I'm still a little I want to see them do it like week six week seven and stop a good rushing attack because I think the rushing defense is still worth trying to figure out a little bit like during the bye week that's a concern for me the three three five it makes sense. There's less defensive linemen. There's more holes initially kind of at the point of contact for running backs in that first level. And teams are exploiting that. And we're missing a lot of tackles, even against Georgia Tech. 275 rushing yards is concerning to me. I love what I'm seeing from the defense, but it is early. I still have like this thing in the back of my head that's saying pump the brakes a little bit. And you, you know what's interesting with that is the fact that there is a way to alleviate that to a degree. It's just ha- have a good rushing offense, too. And, and we're right. starting to see that. And, and this is something we actually talked about in the preseason with Sterling Gilbert coming over is that he has groomed some really good running backs over the years. You may not know the names, but the production that he's had at some of his previous stops. I mean, Texas, I believe he had a couple thousand yard rushers and you you just saw the the offensive flow with some of these Sterling Gilbert offenses. They they leaned on the run, and Sean Tucker is starting to look like the guy. I mean, I think he's taken over as the feature back. If the twenty four attempts doesn't tell you that, then I don't know what you're watching. But I, and guess what? I'm not mad about that either. I don't care who it comes from. Again, I don't care where the production comes from. 
I'm not married to any of these players and the spots that they have on this team. I just want to see production. And I think that's the way that all Syracuse fans should be looking at this team is it doesn't matter who it comes from. You just want to see the production happen on the field. And Sean Tucker certainly provided that. I think he's masked some of the offensive deficiencies in that first in that or in this uh, Georgia Tech game. So we'll see what happens uh, when the Orange lace them up again after the bye week. All right, coming up next, we will get to our praise pie. We're going to divvy up who deserves the most credit for the latest win against Georgia Tech. That's coming up next. All right, first time we've gotten to do this this year, Tim. It is our praise pie. We've done the blame pie a couple of times now. It's time to get into the praise pie where we divvy up the credit for the Syracuse win. It can be a concept, it can be an individual, it can be a unit, it can be whatever. However you want to divvy it up, give the credit where the credit is due. I'll let you kick this one off. Where are you dishing out the credit for this week three win? All right, so I gave the bulk of the credit 40% to Sean Tucker. Just Sean Tucker, the player, for running like Emmett Smith, as a couple of people have, have alluded to. <laughs> and I saw he was tweeting again. By the way, did you see the tweets? Yeah, yeah. Did you see the tweets? What did he so, say? So, for those who haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, give it to us. So, so Sean Tucker, here's here's the, the the lowdown with Sean Tucker, for those who don't know. He is, he's got some Magic Johnson uh, social media tendencies. And for those who don't know, what Magic Johnson does on social media is basically state the obvious. And so... He he had a tweet after his first game. This is when we started to notice it. We actually kind of uh, ripped it off on our Twitter account, at LO underscore Syracuse. But here is the Sean Tucker synopsis. I think we, that, that has oh, to be a new segment. Good. The I Sean like Tucker synopsis. So he says, Yesterday was a day of first. The first touchdown in the newly renovated Carrier Dome. My first collegiate touchdown. And Syracuse's first win of the season. Let's go, Cuse. <laughs> We're just getting started. Do you think he he's writes those? He's got a those? new uh, Twitter pick, too. Like, I, I want to talk to Sean. I think he's got it, right? Like, I, I need more answers like the, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, he has to, right? The college kids don't have ghostwriters for their no, tweets. No, but, like, maybe a parent? I mean, there's an off chance that someone else yeah, has maybe. access that's in his family. It's just, I, I find it awesome. Like, I, I don't think he's doing yeah. this for any like sort the, of... Like, the joke... It's always a joke about Magic Johnson, but I think it came out that Magic Johnson has a ghostwriter for all of his tweets. Yeah, probably. And Sean Tucker, yeah, it might be apparent. You might be onto something there. See, there, there's your sh- social Sherlock cap. <laughs> well done. Yeah, well done. we love doing that. So I gave Tucker 40%, as we've talked about a lot. Running game opened up some holes. I did think Sterling Gilbert was a little bit better at kind of getting a little more creative just the way he started the game getting Jordan a toss sweep to the right that led to a first down at one point if I'm not mistaken but Tucker is the guy and he's found out that now he's getting to know his guys a little bit more and he's learned that Tucker's the best guy in between the tackles for sure which is where Syracuse likes to run maybe a little bit too much at times I'm giving 25 percent to DeVito and maybe you'll go a little okay. bit lower than me there, but I, I do think we got to give him some credit for those deep balls. They changed the sort of complexion of the game, and when he is able to uncork the deep ball like that, and it's on the money, he adds an entirely different element to this offense. He gives them the explosive play element. Yeah, they did have a 38-yard Tucker run, but that was like a 20-yard run where he kind of like got the last 18 yards off of Georgia Tech being like, whoa, I thought he was down, and then it was like kind of fluky. Yeah, weird play. Right. Yeah. 
the explosive plays. It's one that, of those. It falls in the luck category over yeah, explosive. I mean, still like like it's still a good play. initial run right. too. It was like what the it was like eight, fifteen, twenty yards. Totally. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it falls more in the luck. Category. And also, props to my forty percent guy, Sean Tucker, for staying up and being alert and running and keeping his head down and all that. Yeah. But. I think the explosive plays that are sustainable is DeVito going deep to Taj, DeVito going deep to Nikeem, and I like that we saw some of that against a pretty vulnerable defense in Georgia Tech, but still I'll give DeVito 25%. Then I just put young guys stepping up 20%. The Robert Hannas, the Marlowe Waxes, the Carters, like all those guys that we talked about a little bit earlier, all those 2020 guys, really happy and really proud of what I'm seeing from that class, which didn't rank that highly, but is already making a huge impact on the field and then my last 15 percent, i hope i got the math right here is offensive line uh, someone will double check us later yeah we'll, we'll get the intern on that 15 percent <laughs> for the offensive line for me and i will say a little bummed from aaron service in the early goings the past two games and i've watched back the film he does not grade out great right now he's 110 among tackles on pro football focus bergeron's 107 Vetterello is actually pretty good on the line. He's 46th among centers right now. I've seen Vetterello clear out some holes. He's looked pretty good at that center position. Yeah. I'm wondering if Service is playing with some sort of injury right he now. He could be. Or maybe he's trying to do too much to to Counteract, yeah. help out Chris Elmore, too. Right. I think both of those are, are I think, valid theories. Um, but I'm wondering, because remember, Dino said there were multiple injuries on the offensive line. So... I'm wondering if someone's playing hurt, and, and I think serve, just evaluating the play that's happened so far, I'm wondering if it's service. Yeah. Um, because he has been a little slow with the step, uh, and he's just struggled a lot. We know Dakota Davis, Anthony Red, uh, Will Fromey, I think, too, are all banged up. Leitch is banged up, but obviously he can't even play because the NCAA is stupid. But, yeah, I mean, to finish up these offensive line numbers, I was a little surprised, too. Elmore is 120 among guards, Tisdale 124. So that's kind of your soft spot right now is the guards. Vetterello, obviously, centers, there's only one of them, so it's easier to place higher among nationally on pro football focus here. He's had some bad snaps, too, a little bit. I'd like to see him get a little bit more accurate just because that one second that it takes for DeVito to jump and then bring it down. Yeah, I mean... It makes a difference. You want to limit the variables with Tommy DeVito right now. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Snowball if your center can do that by... Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, you want to you want to limit the variables. And I, I, I think that the snap is certainly one of them. Yeah. So, um, all right, I'll get into mine real quick. I'm... I'm not as high as Tucker with you, but I'm going 35% with Tucker. Okay. I, I thought he was phenomenal in this game. Once again, I mean, it's very tough to to knock a guy who's going for 117 and a couple of touchdowns to go with it, too. Again, the, the yards per carry lines up at 4.7, but it felt like a lot more throughout the game. It felt like Georgia Tech kind of contained the box a little bit more as the game progressed. The other, I'm going to throw another 35%, just defense in general i yeah, mean I like that when you're forcing five turnovers you're you're not going to lose many games and if you do then you've got bigger problems but how about the you got four different guys with interceptions two of them really were fumbles not necessarily interceptions and then of course um the the forced fumble to cody roscoe one of the new guys who actually had a very good game in this one another guy a sack forced fumble couple uh tackles for loss and that kind of leads me into where i want to throw 20 percent 
of the credit in this game. That's just reserves in general. Yeah. And you kind of hit on it on young guys, but I'm right. going to take it a step further and just say reserves. Guys are stepping up. It's They stepped up a lot in this game, whether it's the, the guys who are at the top of the stat sheet, like Hannah, Carter, you look at um, Koba had a, a, a solid game in this one. And Marlo Wax, who who you and I are both pretty high on after these first couple of weeks. And, and even guys like Cody Roscoe, who you may not know a ton about, but they've come in and made an impact, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And guess what? Sean Tucker is technically a reserve by by my estimation, too, That's at least true. heading into the season. Until we see him at number one on the, de- on the depth chart, um, I'm going to continue to call That'll him a reserve. That'll be curious. Because remember, he, he came into the season as the fifth string running. I know. So... Yeah, I wonder we don't if don't get Dino, a depth chart this week. Right. Yeah. We won't, but I, I bet he probably still won't, but who knows? I mean, the depth chart for right. Dino doesn't mean a ton. Yeah, no no depth chart because of the bye this week, but it, it I think yeah, I I wouldn't put a ton of stock in it. I think you you're right in that estimation because it, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It matters who's who's taking the snaps when you take the field. And then my last 10%, I do have to give it to Tommy DeVito. Again, one of our biggest critiques of him in the early going of this season has been the inability to connect on the deep ball. And he did it twice. So you have to give some credit where credit's due. I do think the the run game helped him out a little bit, but that's called complimentary football right there. You need that to win at all levels. And when you've got an offense that really has struggled, any signs of life are good. And 37 points worth of signs are very, very good. Actually, it's more like 30 because of the defensive touchdown. Yeah. But when you're putting up that many points, you're going to win a lot of games, especially with the defense that you've got. So we'll see if they can carry that into the Duke game on October 10th. And we'll be with you here, breaking everything down on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Again, like we mentioned earlier in the show, this week we have a verbal commitment from Enrique Cruz. So we are hoping to talk to him either tomorrow or Thursday. And we're also going to hand out some bi-week grades. Again, only three games, but hey, we, we might as well and see where we want to see some improvement from the Syracuse team moving forward. And of course, we do have to address that bowl game question and how that maybe changes some of the positional battles moving forward for this team. So we will cover all of that throughout the rest of the week. Enjoy the rest of your week here, and we will be with you on the Locked on Syracuse podcast every single weekday as we get closer and closer to Syracuse pushing through the bye. We'll also, we're going to hit on some hoop stuff. Yeah, we got it. Too. Maybe we'll, we'll get a little bit of that on Friday, and we'll definitely do it the week after as well that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast we will be with you tomorrow hopefully with enrique cruz but if not we'll have some other football stuff for you and maybe some hoops as well for tim i'm tyler we'll talk to you guys tomorrow